0: Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network.
1: And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make, as you know, the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. We got to recap the NFL draft. One of David's favorite things in the world. I know it is, David, correct? Yeah,
0: no, I I actually, on the list of things that are my favorite, um, you can hear my children in the background, um, (laughs) but those are like one, two, and then right there, and on some days, honestly, number two, the NFL draft.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was actually some sports news, some things happening. It wasn't actual sports, but a lot of people watched the draft, record numbers, so we'll recap uh, how the Pac-12 did. Some of the other conferences might have done a little bit better, but you know, middle of the pack as far as Power Five goes was Pac 12. Uh, you can also, if you want to get a hold of us for topics for later shows, because there probably not gonna be a lot to talk about now that the draft is done, Pac 12 podcast at gmail.com is the email address. Keep them, um, keep up the topics coming. We got a lot of uh, presidential talk thanks to David Woods and your uh. Your presidential knowledge, Dave, we got a, probably half our emails have to do with the U.S. presidents this time.
0: Yeah, this will be the U.S. president show. That's what we do here. That's our offseason. Everyone should know. One year it was just us so- talking about soccer, and now we've moved even further afield. We're no <laughs> longer talking about even sports. We're talking about a bunch of uh, old dead white dudes.
1: Yeah, wow. uh, a lot of them. We, t- we actually asked for voicemails last week, got a bunch of those. We asked for text messages this week, didn't really get many of those. But if you would like to text us or leave us a voicemail, you can still do that. 424-532-0678 is the number. I think we got a couple texts this week, but not the we just had a whole bunch of voicemails the week before. That was a lot of fun. But we'll read the text, we'll read the emails, go over all the stuff. And we got as like I said, we'll recap the NFL draft. For the Pac Twelve, you could also tweet us at Pac Twelve Podcast, the website. It's Pac Twelve podcastcom Please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, My Heart, uh, all those aspects. any place you can get a podcast, you can subscribe and you can also rate us, so we appreciate that. Tell your friends that they like the Pac-12, they want some Pac-12 talk during this weird offseason and quarantine, tell them to check out the podcast of Champions. I don't know if we have any new reviews, Dave.
0: We haven't gotten a new review in many moons. It's been since uh, April 1st. April Fool's Day was the last review we got. So um, I'll say it. I'll say it again. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Our listeners are slacking. You know, we expect (laughs) a lot out of our listeners, but they're not. They're not even giving us a minimum right now. And frankly, (laughs) I'm disappointed.
1: You got lots of time on your hands, people. Get out there. If you haven't uh, reviewed us yet, please uh, do that.
0: I have a lot of resentment here because you know how much I slave over this show. You know how Mm. much toil goes into me, just all the work I put in to doing this show every week. From talking into a microphone about subjects I barely understand to, you know, talking into a microphone about subjects I barely understand. There's a lot that goes into this. And I would just like it if, you know, our listeners would match me just occasionally.
1: Yeah, you uh, you toil, you do toil. Yeah. that's why I always say. That whenever I talk about Dave, I just think about toiling. That's uh, that's yeah. Dave. Uh, in a nutshell, you could also go to our Reddit page, Reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions, and uh, go check that out. Discuss things that are going on. And I think we posted uh, Hitler Day's graph last week and put it up on the blog. Uh, he tweet, I think he tweeted it out at us, and then we uh, retweeted that out as well. Um, well, David, did you, did you watch any of the draft? Did you check that out or no?
0: Not, not a minute of it.
1: Not a minute.
0: Really. Not a minute. Not even a second. Um, we did get a Reddit comment just before we get into that. Who, oh. you remember when we talked about Justin Herbert at the top of last week's show and we were kind of kidding about him being the number one pick because we've clowned on him yeah. forever. Uh, somebody thought we were for real about that. And so I'm going to read the Reddit post. This is from user, uh, 11. Are these guys for real? The dude thought Herbert could have been the number one pick. Does he not have any clue who Joe Burrow is? Podcast was instantly turned off and unsubscribed after that. My mother knows Joe Burrow is going
1: first. Yeah. Um, I guess he doesn't get sarcasm. Or he doesn't, <laughs> doesn't get, doesn't get our deep humor <laughs> our deep, deep, deep cuts. Um, yeah. What if he? What if he listened last year? And uh, one of those Jakes from Washington that you know, if we, we said he was going to be a, the number one pick, Well, that's you've... the
0: thing. And like, so are there like Washington fans who have instantly turned this thing off because we joke about Jake Browning once again returning for his seventh senior year?
1: Yeah, I heard he was actually. I heard that was an actual thing. I'm not. Even no, sure. I'm.
0: I'm I, I. I. We know <laughs> it. We've we've got sources that have indicated that Jake Browning will be returning for what would be his seventh year as a. Uh, as a husky, and obviously we're excited here um, because uh, you know he he is he is the the Jake superior, the Jake major. Um, we've we've seen Jake's minor, um, and we're gonna see another Jake this year, but that is uh, very much Jake superior.
1: Yeah, there's only like three or four Jakes left on the Washington roster, I believe, from the quarterback room. So, um, well, and then
0: after that, there'll be less than Jake.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Uh, let's jump into the draft. Dave didn't watch. I watched first round. Um, I don't think I watched second round as much, uh, and then really not much of the. Uh, I mean, second and third round, which was the second day, and then really hardly any of the uh, the really late stuff. I, I popped in and out, but I watched enough. Um, overall, the Pac-12 had 32 players selected uh, in the NFL draft, including three in the first round. So we talked about, you know, Justin Herbert. Um, so, you know, he uh, ends up going at number six uh, to the Los Angeles chargers. So he'll be playing in Southern California. So that was a, you know, pretty good for him as far as weren't really sure if he would slip a little bit, you know, you had guys, uh, quarterbacks go before him, but uh, Justin Herbert goes six. It seems like a pretty good spot. Uh, Two other players in the first round, uh, USC offensive tackle Austin Jackson, he went 18th overall to the Miami Dolphins. And then, uh, and that was about, that was probably the high mark where that people were projecting him. They, some people thought he might slip to the second round. He ends up going kind of middle of the first, which is, which is good. And really not a lot of linemen went in the PAC 12. So he was kind of some of the lone representation for the PAC 12 there. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and then Brandon Ayuk from uh, Arizona State, the wide receiver, snuck into the first round. He uh, got selected by San Francisco with the 25th pick. So I didn't see a lot of mock drafts that had him going in the first round. But uh, that was a, it was a nice move for Brandon Ayuk.
0: Yeah, that's great. And um, yeah, I mean, I, well, you know, mock drafts, mock draft. a lot of them are worth basically nothing. Uh, But Brandon Ayoub, that could be one where there might not have been a lot of buzz about him because even as good as he was and as good as we obviously saw him, if you were watching a lot of Pac-12 games, I could see some scouting departments getting ahead of other ones on that guy just because he didn't have a ton of film. It was basically just one really, really good year. Um, So, you know, if you're if you're really in the weeds on the Pac-12, you might be able to get a, get a better read on him than, you know, some other team. So, you know, a, a West coast team kind of having a good read on him makes sense to me. Um, and, uh, I think he's a total first round talent. I mean, with that kind of speed and playmaking ability, I think he's uh, potentially a potentially very good player.
1: Yeah. So good. Uh, good for him. And, uh, there was a little bit of a run after that on wide receivers. We'll talk about that in a second, but the PAC 12 sent out their notes, David, with, you know, you try to put a positive spin on it and then, there's some other notes that we'll go over in a bit that maybe aren't as positive. Uh, John Wilner shared a bunch. We have some other ones too. Um, so it's a six consecutive draft. The PAC 12 had 30 or more players. Um, three or more PAC 12 players were selected in each round. That's kind of strange. Uh, wide receivers were the most popular. There's five of them. Uh, actually three. Wait, wait, wait,
0: sorry. Did they have a stat that basically commended themselves on their even distribution? Is that, yes. what, is that what we
1: just heard? Even distribution. <laughs> So there was at least three in every round.
0: Our mean, median, and mode are all the same. We rule.
1: (laughs) Where's the standard deviation fixing all this? I don't know. Um, Wide receivers were popular with five. And like I said, there's going to be three in a row that were picked. um, At least for the Pac-12. Utah had the most players. So they had, I think they said, nine guys to the combine. And seven um, were selected in the draft. So, Averaging one around, uh, including a record four picks in the first three rounds. So uh, Utah's doing well. Um, Ten of the Pac-12 t- teams had two or more players selected, and of the 32 picks, 19 were offensive players, 13 were defensive players. And as far as the where they Pac-12 ranks, uh, third in the Power Five. So the SEC had double the amount of picks, uh, 64, um, and so. And and the Big Ten had let me see, yeah. Big Ten had 48. So yeah,
0: and I think the absolute quantity is definitely you know a little eye popping. When you get down to the picks per team that you've got laid out here, I think this is a better indication of the situation, which is the SEC 4.5, Big Ten 3.4, and then the Pac-12 and third with 2.7. So because the Big Ten has I don't know how many teams does the Big Ten have now? Like they 20? have 42, I think, yeah, or something I think like that. 42 yeah, 42 teams. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, when you distribute it um, that way, the ones who actually look kind of bad, actually, are the Big 12 and the ACC. Um, Pac-12 is pretty middle of the pack. Yeah. Uh,
1: overall, so uh, I'll go through these run by round. We don't have to go over every player, but there's – because Dave would love that. Actually, no, I'd, I love,
0: I'd love it if you just read a list
1: of yeah. everybody. Um, so second rounders, three more players. Michael Pittman went to the Colts. Uh,
0: he's going Sch- to be great. I'll, I'll, I'll add to my prediction from last week. I think he's going to be great. He's,
1: he's yeah, going so he a could, stud. Yeah, he went pretty early, almost the first round, second pick of the second round. LaVisca Chenault, a little bit behind him. He goes to the Jaguars, and then uh, Jalen Johnson, the cornerback from Utah, goes to the Bears. So he was the first defensive player to come off the board. So it was five offensive players. Uh, then you got to run, like Ashton Davis, the safety from Cal, He goes to the Jets. Julian Blackman, the safety from Utah, goes to the Colts. Um, Third round, these are in third round. So, Zach Moss, do you like that to the Bills? Like, I want to, I'm curious to see what he does there.
0: Uh, Uh, Yeah. I mean, he went to an NFL team where he'll get paid a lot of money. So, that's what I care about.
1: Right. Uh, And Devin Asiasi, UCLA, the first Bruin off the board. He goes to the Pats. I think the Pats took two tight ends and they did the same thing back when they got uh, Gronk. And, uh, what's his name? Um, what? Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. The guy that, uh,
0: he had a lot of things happen to him. <laughs> the murder guy, uh, guy. And a lot of things he did himself. Um, yeah, no, this one, um, Devin Asiasi, I remember reading in the lead up to the draft because I do actually, um, unfortunately read a little bit about it all. Uh, he was getting a lot of late buzz. Like a lot of people were saying, oh, wow, this big, um, you know, very good athlete with hands. We need to take a flyer on him. So he went a lot higher than the early mock drafts um, indicated. Yeah. Um, one th- thing I was kind of blown away by was Eno Benjamin falling so far. Uh, he he didn't get end up getting drafted in the seventh round. Yeah, uh, and several um, Pac-12 running backs went ahead of him, Joshua Kelly and, and Zach Moss among them. Um, that one kind of blew me away. Did that shock you?
1: Yeah, a little bit because I mean he's got size and speed and just you know it he, he was productive. Um, you know, I don't think he had, it wasn't like he, you know, burned out, you know, carried the ball for four years or whatever. I, I, you know, that they felt it was, you know, had too many carries out of, I don't know. I mean, I just, that was kind of a surprise. He fell all that way. Um, Utah ended up having three defensive backs taken in the first three rounds. So that's pretty good. Um, Terrell, uh, Burgess is the other guy. He, he went to the Rams, so he's going to stay local here in Los Angeles. um, Lecky Fotu was a fourth rounder to the Cardinals, so he's someone I like. He just dominated a lot of the games I saw. Jacob Eason fell to the fourth round. Um, yeah. He goes to the Colts, also. So did yeah. Uh, both Fromm and Eason didn't do very well in the draft. You know, the Georgia guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, like watching football games this past year, were you blown away by either of those guys? No. I guess the, the 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 Easton thing always blew me away, and and like right after it happened, I was kind of blown away by it. And then we heard from a lot of people, oh, this was you know kind of a no brainer for him or some stuff like that from like people around the program who heard for a while that he wanted to go, but nowhere in his performance this year or in just like his indicators as a player did I think he was like a very good prospect this year. So I, I was kind of shocked by that one. Um, and Jake Fromm. He might end up better than he showed in college because I know that offense to an extent was limiting, Um, like throwing underneath a ton. And that might be the same for Easton, too, because certainly that Washington offense wasn't any good. Um, But, yeah, I I wasn't totally stunned by both of those things because you're kind of just projecting based off measurables with both of those guys, how they're going to fit in an actual aggressive NFL offense.
1: Troy Dye fell. He was uh, middle of the fourth round. Uh, or late, somewhat late in the fourth round, he goes to the Vikings. I just thought he would go higher.
0: Yeah, I would too. Um, you know, it might be one of those things where the college guy who, you know, produced for four years gets a little underrated just because, I don't know, people are familiar with him and aren't blown away by his, like, athleticism. But, yeah, I would have thought higher for him. Um, who else look didn't, at the, who so else the didn't cat- go? Did, did Salman Ahmed didn't... Um, didn't get drafted. He was not drafted. No. Um, I, I neither to talk was about, Hunter Bryant. If we're talking about, um, you know, Washington juniors who decided to leave.
1: Yeah. Cause you had, he didn't get drafted, but like Devin Asiasi did. Colby Parkinson did from Stanford. He went in the fourth round. Um, I don't think there was any other tight end. I Bradley and I fell to the late fifth round. Yeah. Um, like almost the end, like almost he was almost a six rounder. He goes to the Cowboys. I, I, the Cowboys just seem to be able to draft like guys that I mean, he just seems like a dude that's going to produce in the NFL. But I don't know, I don't know why he fell so far.
0: Might just be measurables. Um, I think he was what like 6'3, 255,
1: 260. Yeah, which sort of like I think it kind of makes
0: you a weird tweener in the NFL, yeah. Um, but. I don't know. That kind of thing, I think maybe they get a little too hung up on it because at that size, it's not like you're – who was that really good uh, Washington state lineman a few years ago?
1: Hercules. Uh, um, what's his name? What's
0: that? Am I, Is that the one I'm thinking of or am I thinking of a
1: uh, – hang on.
0: Hang
1: on. Okay. As David checks it out. I'll mention a couple other ones. Uh, yeah, Jake yeah. Luton. that
0: must That must be the one I'm thinking of. Um, oh, no, I'm thinking of Washington uh, Kakaha, who I thought was really good. But the thing with him was he was really undersized. I think he was like 240 or below. Oh, uh, OK. Yeah.
1: But anyway, go ahead. Some interesting six rounders like Jake Luton, quarterback for Oregon State, goes to Jaguars. Um, Evan Weaver went to the Cardinals, the you know, stud linebacker from Cal. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins, man, I mean, he goes a the sixth round of the Bills. Uh, another Bills pickup uh, from the Pac-12 and then you mentioned, you know, Benjamin, uh, the seventh rounder. So, um, you know, a couple of the 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 Oregon offensive linemen, like Jake Hansen, went in the sixth round. Uh, he's the center. I think they had another one. Yeah, Shane Lemieux, the guard, went in the fifth round. So I, I thought some of those Oregon offensive linemen might have gone a little higher in the draft, too.
0: Yeah, and uh, Calvin Throckmorton didn't even get drafted, correct?
1: Right, yeah, he did not. So yeah. he's another one. I didn't look, look at a lot of the Pac-12 snubs, but you probably have more.
0: No, I've just been poking around a little bit, and I saw some consternation in Duck's Twitter land about um, Throckmorton um, thinking that he should have been uh, should have been drafted. Um, yeah, there wasn't much
1: on Troy Die too, falling to the fourth.
0: I wonder how much of, like... I mean, I, I, I think the NFL draft is an imperfect process. Um, I think it's prone to the same... Naturally, the same failures that every stage of the evaluation process is prone to. Yeah. Um, Guys get biases, guys get, you know, they, they have their preferences that are often not based in, you know, objective reality and lots of other things. And I wonder how it was impacted positively or negatively by um, the lockdown, you know, not having as many like in-person interactions with a lot of these guys. Did it make them more objective, just judging off of game film and stuff, or did it make them less, you know, Uh, give them less information to go on. And they made even kind of worse decisions than usual. Um, It'll be interesting to analyze this draft as compared to other drafts from like a hit rate standpoint, like who ends up what percentage of these like first and second rounders end up all pro versus previous years.
1: Um, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And then uh, one other note from the PAC 12 release. So if you go by school, Utah had the most at seven, then Oregon with four, Cal, Colorado, Oregon State, UCLA all had three. Uh, ASU, Stanford, USC, and Washington uh, only had two, and then Washington State only had one. So like the, the release said, 10 of the 12 schools had at least two guys selected. Uh, the school that didn't get any, Dave? Arizona. It sounds right. Um, it made me look, them up, look I wanted to look up the selections Arizona had recently.
0: Well, Khalil uh, Tate got uh, picked up as a uh, undrafted free agent by the Eagles as a wide receiver.
1: That's crazy. We did have a question about that in the email, so We'll probably talk about that then, but we can, or we can talk about it now if you'd like. It doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, we can talk about it now. Um, that one's interesting because um, they didn't even make any bones about him being a QB. Um, and judging by like what we saw out of him as a player, um, a running back, right?
1: That's what I thought. I thought he'd be a better running back.
0: I mean, not like, I mean, maybe he can be a wide receiver. I don't know. But if you're talking about like what we actually saw from him, like athletically, it was running out of the backfield. Um, So I don't know. I I don't know how his athleticism will translate to wide receiver. That'll be interesting.
1: Um, Well, with Arizona, so they, you know, Khalil Tate does sign. Uh, That's, you know, the, the kind of numbers he put up. Uh, a couple years ago to you know, signing as a free agent as, as a wide receiver just seems like just seems sad, you know? Yeah, um,
0: but he was never really an NFL prospect at quarterback. I mean, even when he was doing that, it was like, you compare him to other dual threats and like his arm stuff was never at the level of like some of these other guys who have the legs. Um, like he could throw like that kind of deep, airy ball, but any kind of short stuff seemed to he seemed to struggle with, even when he had that really good run, um, in October of his, uh, what was it, sophomore year? Yeah. Um, so that, that doesn't, I, I was never expecting him to be like a high draft pick. It does. It is probably a little shocking if you're, if you go back to that era to think that he's not going to get drafted at all. Um, but he was never like a first round talent or whatever.
1: Let's, uh, take a look. I'm going to, we're going to look at real quick. Arizona Wildcats. Arizona, you get the the, the bump played. Um, the last six, six drafts, David. So from 2015 through 2020, how many Arizona players do you think have been selected overall? So how many drafts? We're going to go six drafts. 2015, 16,
0: 17, 18, 19, and now 20. I'll go... Over an entire draft. We're talking seven rounds. Seven rounds.
1: 42
0: rounds of drafting available. How many Arizona? And you said not one this year? Zero this year, yeah. So are we counting that among the six, or is it the six previous?
1: I'm counting it among the six, so yeah. Okay, so so
0: five. Among five other drafts, how many were drafted? It's got to be a low number. Uh, I'm going to go
1: ten. You are way too high. Five? Four. Wow! Wow. Four players, no one on offense, no one above the fifth round. Oh, my God. The the last time Arizona had a player drafted in the second round was 2011. Brooks Reed, a defensive end that went to the Houston Texans. Um, It's Slim Pickens. It is Slim Pickens from Arizona. So...
0: Yeah, Holy like crap. seventh
1: seventh rounder last year. Fifth rounder the year before. No one in 2017. A sixth and a seventh, including uh, Scooby Wright in 2016. And nobody in 2015. So the last six, three of the six, nobody was drafted. It's Holy like crap. crazy. Like, how is that even possible? And no one on offense. Like, not a single offensive player. Wow. Yeah. So, sorry to... I was just like, I'm like, I thought they didn't get anyone drafted last year, but they actually did. Um, But it was like a seventh rounder, you know, so they just snuck in. So that's uh, that's not so that's not so good.
0: No, that's not so good. That's not so good at all.
1: Not so good. Um, Our buddy, John Wilner had a few notes. Uh, Well, I don't want to, like, just get into this too much, but uh, the SEC had 15 first round picks. 15. Uh, which was a record, and more. Uh, it was one less than the other Power Five conferences combined. So that's uh, that's pretty damning.
0: Well, so if you were, but here's how I take that: if you remove the first round, it looks a lot more even between the SEC and the <laughs> Pac-12. <laughs> that's
1: true. Um, Fifteen to three, like that's a that's a whooping. Um, so in the top three yeah, rounds.
0: Okay, all right, then fine. How was the SEC's distribution between the seven rounds? That's what that I want to hear about. Yeah,
1: there's nowhere near as good as the Pac 12. Yeah, they was it have,
0: even? No, no, it wasn't even.
1: They're so top heavy, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah because forty of 40 of those, was it 64 picks went in the first three rounds? Um after that, like they there's just not a lot of depth. They got some good players, but they don't have the depth. They're the definitely passion.
0: underrepresented on practice squads. I'll say yes. that.
1: <laughs> so the forty in the first three rounds was a record. Um, the Pac-12 had twelve in the first three rounds. Uh, the Big Ten had seventeen. The Big Twelve had twelve, and the ACC had eight. So the ACC didn't do so well, I think, overall. Um, but yeah, uh, it was uh, it was pretty good. But you mentioned the picks by team. Um, and let's see, there were the the lineman thing, I mentioned that. So Austin Jackson was the only lineman from the Pac-12 in the first three rounds. So of the top 100 prospects in the draft, uh, only one played on the line of scrimmage for the Pac-12, So as Wilner pointed out. Uh, the SEC had five linemen picked in the first round. The Big Ten had six in the first two rounds. And the Big 12, which isn't really known for their line play, had three linemen picked in the top 100. So that's uh, I, I think that's the big issue there. You want to see more offensive linemen and that, you know, the best offensive line we had in the PAC 12, um, coming from, uh, Oregon, you get a couple guys drafted and they're pretty late in the process.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that speaks to, uh, one of the fundamental issues with the PAC 12, which is just lack of beef.
1: There was a lack of beef there. Uh, he also gave some winners and losers. um, He had the star system as the winners of the 32 players in the first round. 21 got four or five star ratings, which is a really high hit rate considering, you know, there's only 32 five stars every year and uh, a couple hundred four stars. So uh, I thought that was pretty good.
0: Yeah, definitely. But and, and it gets annoying to keep having to justify it at all times. But no matter how many times that is indicated to people first, Nobody understands, like a lot of people just don't get distributions and like why it's significant that like, even if it was, even if it was like five, how many five stars did you say it was?
1: Uh, there were 21, four and five stars. I don't think
0: even if it it was like eight, that's still (laughs) a victory for the star system. If you look at like the actual distributions of how many three stars there are versus how many four and five stars. But so when it's 21, obviously it's profound. But no matter how many times you like try to power that into people's heads, they'll still be like, oh, well, the five two stars showed up in the first round. So that invalidates the entire star system as if it's not just a probability thing. Like there's a there's probably an actual likelihood percentage chance based on history that you can assign to a five star coming out of high school. Okay, you have a whatever 73 percent chance of being in the first three rounds of the NFL draft. Yeah. Go for you. Um, And it's just. You know, it's an obvious thing. It gets written every year, but keep writing it because people still every year come up with the same dumb arguments that the star system is bad. Right.
1: They, it's it's only getting more. It, it's getting more accurate as we as we move on. Um, he also had Utah as a winner because they had seven picks, but also twelve in the last two drafts. So uh, that's pretty good. That's blue blood level almost. And you know, you really he Wilner points to the coaching staff. Uh, doing a better job of identifying talent and then developing that talent. So, t- for a team like Utah to have 12 selections over the last two years, uh, that's saying something like a, a USC with way more four and five star players had six players picked the last two years. So, tell you, double that from Utah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, he had the Pac 12 North as losers. Uh, so, 16 selections, but. Um the North had just two players picked in the first three rounds with Herbert and Ashton Davis. And the South had ten uh high round selections. So not the top end talent in the in the north. He liked Cal as a winner. Uh they had, you know, three uh defensive players picked. Um he lists Arizona as a loser, saying they got blanked three of the last six drafts, which were already kind of talked about. He had USC as a loser, uh only two picks, which are the lowest total since uh, 2002, and Temple had four, which is crazy. Uh, he liked Herbert. UCLA had three. UCLA had three, yeah. Um, he said that the player development's lacking. So like for Utah to have that kind of player development, USC's been uh, lacking that. He had Herbert as a winner, uh, Jacob Eason as a loser. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that came out early. Um, he put you know Benjamin as a loser and kind of running backs in general. He thought it was mystifying that he fell all the way uh, to the seventh, and uh, you know he says the the another loser is the L.A. schools, <laughs> so um, it's not a one team problem in a, a two team town. UCLA, which generated more picks over the decades than Florida State, Auburn, Clemson, isn't carrying its weight either. So they only had three. The the Trojans had two, so you got five draft picks in, uh, which is the same as Minnesota. Uh, ouch, and then uh, he had the the. Pack 12 receivers as winners because that was uh, plentiful in the draft. So, anyway, Wilner had some really good notes there. Uh, maybe we berated that a little too much. Probably more than David would like. But that's a pretty good uh, recap of what happened in the Pac-12 for the NFL draft.
0: Yes. I think you did a bang-up job reading all of those notes that I painstakingly put together.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> let's... Oh, David. Um, Why don't we jump to the questions? Let's do it. I think Mark had a text. Uh, Hey, guys. You want me to read it or do you want to read it? Sure, you do it. Hi, guys. I've been doing a Pac-12 stadium tour over the past few years, watching my Cougs play at each one. So far, I've been to Washington State, Oregon State, Oregon, Washington, and Cal. Uh, in what order should I visit the remaining seven locations? So okay, he, well, yes, so Stanford he, in the south, basically, right?
0: Right. I mean, he seems to be like slowly moving out of his like neck of the woods. So I don't know, yeah. from like a comfort level standpoint, should we only have him go like a certain mileage distance from each location, or do we think about what the most interesting remaining locations are? And in that sense, do you want to start with the least interesting and move to the most interesting? Like, where do we? Wa- in what way should we distribute these locations? That's the question I put to
1: you, Ryan. Um I don't I'm not sure. What 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 do you think is the best way? Why do you think why I don't
0: know I would say you probably wanna start with something cool, then you wanna like have a bunch of filler. So you probably want to start with something cool just to keep yourself interested, keep yourself engaged in this process, and then probably do them in order from least interesting to most interesting. So, oh so like dessert
1: the, you want dessert last you're not gonna yeah, go yeah you, you
0: want a snack then you want to eat all your like you know vegetables and stuff and then you want to have the really good stuff at the end but let's let's have a middle point snack right now because I think you may have just watched um, a game at Cal and I'm sorry so let's move on to something else um Utah'd be cool yeah should he go to Utah or Colorado
1: next? I mean, if you're talking this year, I might even go like ASU, you know. Ooh. But that's so that's a quality of
0: game standpoint. Do we want to add that into this, or do we just want it to be the like stadium experience?
1: Oh, okay. I was thinking kind of the whole thing, but well, he's um, calling
0: it a stadium
1: tour. So yeah. I think
0: he's he's interested in the in the atmosphere, and I think Utah and Colorado have each have kind of their unique things going on.
1: Um I, I would probably put Colorado experience. Pretty high up there. Um, Utah, for sure. I think the Rose Bowl, you got to, I mean. Okay, so, Bowl. all
0: right, all right. Let's say he goes to Colorado next. Uh, okay. That'll be his snack, like a nice little thing before he has to eat his vegetables. All right. I think the Coliseum is a major vegetable. Like, we're talking like some Brussels sprouts that are looking a little brown, and you just <laughs> boiled them. <laughs>
1: There's like the history factor, and it's Los Angeles, but it's the Coliseum. But it's the Coliseum, so you want to like I think you I think that's good. You put the Coliseum there, mm-hmm. and then it'll appeal to some people.
0: Yeah, but, yeah, no, and you get to do LA, fine, whatever.
1: But you'll uh, distance it from maybe if if I know the way you're going, maybe the Rose Bowl later. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the the Granddaddy is not going to be last on this list. I'm I'm kind of out on the Rose Bowl too, but it's not. It's not right after the Coliseum. After the Coliseum, I think you go Arizona. Like if we're doing the vegetable order here,
1: yeah. The, the, Tucson is is a you know, there's there's some uh, kale involved there. So you yeah.
0: could, yeah. And then I think you might go back to the Rose Bowl. You're getting the history element, but it's a big dumb stadium. Like it's a big just sloppy bowl nice like views and stuff and you can tailgate in some grass and that's all cool but like the actual viewing experience of a game is just it's hot it's kind of dumpy like it's just it's a it's a big old bowl it's fine it's nothing it's 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 whatever if you're into the religious experience of college football then yeah okay fine you can rate it higher but it's just you're sitting in a bowl it's Pasadena it's really hot
1: yeah Um, then you want to pick well, where's Stanford on this list? You want to Stanford's put Stanford? pretty
0: good. I mean, it's a nice little stadium.
1: I do like a uh, stadium.
0: It's a nice little stadium. It's in, you know, Palo Alto's a nice area. You can walk around. Um, So I'd go, Stanford's next, I think.
1: Yeah, I would go Stanford. Then ASU and
0: cool. then Utah? Close out with Utah?
1: Yeah, I think Stanford, then ASU, because like, especially, in it, we don't know if, if Mark is a, a single fellow, but if he is, you're going to have a really good time in Arizona State, you know, in Tempe. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a fun one. And then
0: and then Utah, you just go with your wife. Like, that's a good place to bring your wife.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So so so, Mark, bring your girlfriend to Tempe and then bring your wife to uh, Salt Lake City the next week. There we
0: go. Done.
1: (laughs) Hopefully that helped.
0: Yeah, I hope it did. All right. This is from Mark Uh, Benjamin Harrison. All right. This is this is my. All right. I just got to stretch it out. Um, Ogden, Utah, has a street called Harrison Boulevard. The north-south streets are named after presidents, and the east-west streets are numbered. Just a little FYI for your entertainment. Well, do we know if it's Benjamin Harrison Boulevard or William Henry Harrison Boulevard? Uh, Mark, I direct this question to you. Hang on. I'm going to look up Ogden, Utah, because I want to get to the bottom of this. Ogden, Utah, Harrison street let's see we're talking harrison boulevard and i don't have a full name so it's just harrison just harrison boulevard it comes after van buren and before tyler so i think this is actually william henry harrison boulevard it might be so mark i think we're talking about two disparate harrisons harrison and i um. Yeah, because the order here, so we're talking, these are mostly mid-1800s jobbies. We've got Polk Avenue. There's a Polk Elementary School. We've got a Taylor Avenue. We've got a Fillmore Avenue. We've got a Pierce Avenue. We've got a Buchanan Avenue. Ooh, did Lincoln not make the cut? What's going on in Ogden, Utah?
1: Mm, they're not big Lincoln fans.
0: Ooh, this is, all right. We're getting some controversy now. All right, and then on the other end, we go Van Buren. There's a Jackson, there's a Quincy, that's a Quincy Adams for you. Yeah, I, th- I think we're talking about William Henry Harrison there, because you got Madison, Jefferson, Adams, and Washington going the other way.
1: Yeah, they might have gone...
0: Ooh, Lincoln's on the other side. Okay, Lincoln's Lincoln's on the other side. So, yeah, we're talking mostly mid-1800s. Like, I'm not seeing a Cleveland, I am seeing a Grant, um, so... The likelihood that they got all the way to Benjamin Harrison skipping, um, you know, your Clevelands, your Johnsons and various others uh, seems, seems unlikely. Seems yeah. unlikely.
1: Uh, we got we got an email from Peyton about Zoom. He wants to add the Zoom call. Did we make any decisions? We made no plans of any kind. We rarely We're, do. We got to uh, do it, though.
0: Should we do Thursday.
1: You want to do like a is Thursday? Is that too
0: is that too quick? Should we do next Thursday or something? I, I think we
1: could do this Thursday.
0: Is it too quick though? This is going to go up tonight, and then it'll be, you know, basically no notice.
1: Yeah, okay, let's do okay. Let's do next Thursday, so that will be the seventh. So Thursday, April seventh. What time do we want to set it? I'll put it in the the notes here too.
0: I don't know what uh, six p.m. is that like typical time?
1: I like that six p.m. Pacific. We're yeah. gonna do that. Okay. Yeah.
0: Everybody's off work.
1: Like that. So we'll do. I'm gonna write it down. We're planning a Pac-12 Zoom call for Thursday, April seventh.
0: Yeah, we'll talk presidents, everyone. It'll be a lot of fun.
1: At uh, six p.m. Pacific time. All right.
0: All right. This is uh, Frank in Sacramento. Draft. How about Michael Pittman getting drafted before LaVisca Chenault in the second round and so few Pac-12ers getting drafted early? Yeah, I I, I get the Pittman thing. You're talking about a guy who's what he probably has at least, what, three inches on Chenault?
1: Yeah, he's a pretty big, dude, and it's you know it's, he's a legacy guy. So you know his dad played that that kind of helps, especially in an uncertainty draft where you haven't you don't get to do everything that you normally get to do because of the coronavirus. So I think that gave him a little bit of a leg up having that you know that that uh, well and a legacy. You know,
0: I love Chenault. I'm a big Chenault guy. I, yeah. was, I was early on his bandwagon, not as early as you because of your um, spring practice um, uh, bona fides. But pretty early on.
1: That's true. But I was early he, on, Chanel.
0: Early. He was kind of a perfect college type player, like, doing everything. Like, I'm going to be your wildcat running back. I'm going to be your do-everything guy, just kind of fitting in wherever. I don't really know how he is as, like, a pure route runner, like, all that kind of stuff. Like, there might be some level of, like, skill he needs to be taught still. I think he's going to be good. But I can see how if you're going on, like, just kind of assessing somebody as, like, a pure wide receiver – Pittman might make a little bit more sense, and also like Pittman's ability to win jump balls, like it's up there with some of the best tight ends who've played. Um, so I'm I'm big on the Michael Pittman train, so I'm 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 totally on board with this. Um, as a pro prospect, I think he's going to be really good, um, but I think Chenault's going to be good too. So um, I think it's just you know probably assessment of fit, but then also you know, who did exactly what you wanted from that position in college. And Chenault was, frankly, doing too much. He had to do so many different things in that offense that maybe he didn't have as much of the, um, you know, the film of the different things. But um, he, he also had, had, to, some, he had, injuries had some injuries. Concerns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so maybe that had that played a role.
1: But he still went pretty high. So yeah, we'll wish him, uh, wish him well. Uh, absolute stud, uh, both those guys. So we'll uh, see how they do. I think they'll both do well in the NFL. Uh, we, got, we got one uh, from Tyler. Hey, guys, first-time question asker here. Well, thanks for uh, writing in. We appreciate you being a first-time asker. I was wondering if you could help me give some insight into why Stanford has been able to have so much more success than Cal in the last 10 years, especially in recruiting. It can't be location because they are right next to each other. I doubt it's academics because they're both academically elite. Uh, is it the difference – between money slash resources for the programs? Is it better coaching hires? Or is it just uh, perceptions of the programs? Why are high-ranking recruits dying to play for a team that is notorious for playing in an empty stadium? Hope this is an okay question for the show. Thanks. Go Bears. And uh, here, let me play your, uh, since it's your first timer. California Golden Bears. (laughs) And it's an excellent Uh, question. Thank you, Tyler. It's a great
0: It's a great question. Um, So whatever the actual truth of the matter is as far as academics, and I do think you're probably more right than the perception, the perception, especially among high school kids, is that Stanford is, among schools that actually still play football at a scholarship level, uh, the best university to go to, like from an academic standpoint, Um, and by far. Like if you ask anybody who actually is a high school, like – potential athlete. And I don't know how it gets into their brains that Stanford is far and away better than a Cal degree or a UCLA degree or whatever it is. That's just, it. Yeah. that's hundred percent the perception. And there's, you know, whatever, whatever you want to assign to it, that's, that's the perception. And so what you often see with Stanford's recruiting is that the best, the elite kids nationally who have elite academics, Stanford always has a foot in the door. Um, and that's been aided by the fact that they've had some really – they had a really good start to – they've had a really good coaching period right now. Jim Harbaugh brought some toughness. He brought a style of football that molded itself very well to the types of recruits that Stanford can get. Um, and David Shaw's continued that pretty well up until now. Um, and so I think it was, a, it was a marriage of two different things. But I think always that academic reputation – you don't often think of it as an advantage, but for a school that is truly thought of as the pinnacle, there are those kids who have the elite academics and the elite athleticism who are going to assign that as the number one pick. That's not a huge pool of kids, though, so you have to, um, you know, it, it's not something that many different schools can do. Like Vanderbilt's never going to be able to do it. Rice is never going to be able to do it one school can more or less do it. And Stanford has that brand locked up.
1: Yeah, I would agree with everything David said. And you know, coaching is such a huge part of it. When you had Harbaugh and Shaw handoff, that was just a really good run uh, for Stanford. Now we've seen that start to fall off. And I think both David and I believe that it doesn't seem like it's bouncing back. Now it's a pretty good recruiting class, um, but there's just seems to be some real issues there and, and Cal's on the rise, but, over that 10 year span, like who was coaching Cal? So you got the very end of the Jeff Tedford era. Now he went to uh, eight bowl games, I believe, in 11 years. And uh, that's good. But, you know, I think started to fall off towards the end. You go with Sonny Dykes, he had four seasons and there was only one bowl game in there. And then um, Wilcox has gone to a couple over the last few years. So I think they're going in the right direction. But there was sort of that, I mean, if you're comparing like, Sonny Dykes and Jim Harbaugh, there's just no comparison. And and David Shaw kind of kept that going for a while. He kept that Harbaugh stuff rolling, and now that's sort of uh, fallen off. We're not seeing the same kind of stuff, you know, three or four, like five-star offensive linemen signing with Stanford right now. Um, and, you know, you're not seeing the results on the field. So I, I think those, uh, those ships have passed in the night, and Cal's, I think, going in the right direction, and Stanford is not.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So we will see what ends up happening there. I think we actually have another question about Stanford coming up. Um, All right, this is from our man Thomas. David's Hall of Presidents. Hey, guys, I haven't even made it all the way through the most recent episode, and I'm already bawling over Dave's not-so-subtle teardown of one of Ryan's favorite presidents, Ronald Reagan. The contrast between Ryan's sunny, preppy conservatism, conservatism, hard word to say, and Dave's misanthropic and radicalized liberalism encapsulates perfectly the dynamic between USC and UCLA. However, David left out the real reason that Abraham Lincoln was such a great president. Honest Abe signed the Moral Act, which established federal land grants for most, stat- uh, most states to create public universities, including the University of California. By extension, I'm also surprised that he didn't cite Jefferson as a great president with his work developing the University of Virginia, although I get that he doesn't think highly of slave owners. It is really unfair, though, to beat up on James Buchanan. If you really want to scrape the bottom of the executive barrel, you might want to pick Warren G. Harding. Who else would be involved in such corruption that one of his major donors would have to hide his graft by using it to pay for USC's main library? After all, what is more quintessentially USC than soliciting donations from questionable sources? I think I'll stop there so that Dave doesn't have a seizure from all the chortling he must be doing <laughs> by now. Happy draft day, Thomas. Thanks, it, Thomas. Thomas. Where was good.
1: your chortling? We need some chortling. I kind
0: of I kind of chuckled along a little there bit. There was a little. Yeah. I didn't I didn't chortle. I don't think I chortle. I'm not a <laughs>
1: chortler. Um
0: Misanthropic and radicalized liberalism.
1: That's that's a pretty good one. Like I love how you struggle with like states, but then you you nailed the misan- <laughs> misanthropic. I don't know. Like, I'm, liberalism. I'm I'm I
0: don't know. <laughs> I, I thought it was saying statues for a second, and then I'm like, wait, no, no, no. Not <laughs> to happening. be
1: fair, there's a lot of words in a row, and sometimes you you gear up for the bigger ones, and then and you kind of yeah. like get lax on the smaller ones, and it's just it just look,
0: happens. it's 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 all about where you assign your resources, right? Yes. Yeah, like the <laughs> not a good one for me. Misanthropic, yeah, I can do that.
1: Can nail it. Um, we yeah, this is what we mentioned earlier. Frank, Frank in Sacramento, uh, Eagles sign quarterback Khalil Tate from Arizona. List him as a wide receiver. He said, "This is crazy." The Pac-12 Player of the Week three weeks in a row, uh, two years ago gets ruined by Coach Kevin Sumlin. He calls him some land uh, and turned into a wide receiver. Frank in Sacramento. He links to a like a pro football talk article on that. Um I don't I mean, do you think Kevin Sumlin ruined him? I, I, I think I
0: think I think the combination of Kevin Sumlin and Noel zoni and Khalil Tate's own desire not to um play in a triple option offense. Just saying. Um I think that all combined to make him not the fourth round pick that he otherwise might have been. Um but yeah. I don't know. I mean i I don't know that he was I mean, it's hard to do the counterfactual here because you don't know what team is going to out over evaluate him as a prospect because he puts up some wild numbers in a system. But I don't think he was ever a top three round uh, quarterback because he he just didn't have the touch on the shorter throws. He could always kind of throw that deep bomb, um, not super accurately, but he could throw it. Um, but the short stuff, he just never had the requisite accuracy. Um, so maybe he would have learned that in a better system. I don't know. Normal zone is pretty good for learning how to throw like swing passes. And it just never seemed like it clicked for Tate in that offense. So I just don't, I, I don't see it. Um, but if he'd put up numbers for, you know, three years, instead of just a month in his sophomore season, he probably would have been drafted because I know people like to think the NFL is a perfect process because these guys spend a lot of time doing it, but it's not. And guys get blown away by numbers all the time. Um, And he probably would have been drafted, but I still don't think it would have been like a first couple of
1: rounds. Yeah. I think if it was, if Rich Rod had him for a couple more years and he, you know, wasn't injured and things like that, probably not a first two or three round guy, but you know, did he get picked in the fourth or fifth round? As a quarterback, I think so. And then you could look at him like a Taysom Hill, like at uh, you know playing behind like a Drew Brees in New Orleans, where you could use him in different packages and see how he develops as an NFL quarterback. But just not having that production from the last couple of years, having injury concerns, I think that just made it more difficult. And then you basically have to sign as a free agent and, and try to play another position. So uh, yes, if if, if Richard was still there. And he was putting up, you know, not the crazy numbers, but, you know, similar kind of numbers. Uh, yeah, I think he would have been drafted too, but not, probably not super high, but at least get drafted as a quarterback. Yep, that's true.
0: All right, we got another president one. Uh, Millard Fillmore. So this is from Matthew from Mountain View Millard Fillmore and Benjamin Harrison. Hello, Ryan and Dave. How dare you besmirch the <laughs> mediocre to abominable reputations of Millard Fillmore and Benjamin Harrison? by suggesting that they are utterly unmemorable. Here are a few points about each. Of course, Millard Fillmore had schools named after him. Who can ever forget the classic 1986, 1991 ABC sitcom head of the class about a group of nerdy super geniuses attending Millard Fillmore high school in Manhattan. I'm pronouncing everything weird today, by the way, little bit. I, just, little. I just said Manhattan. I said, yeah. super <laughs> I don't know what's <laughs> going on with my mouth. Uh, the cast included such luminaries as Howard Hessman, the Precinct Captain in Police Academy 2. Uh, wow. One, Howard Hessman, the Precinct... The Precinct... <laughs> it's not the easy. The Precinct man. Captain in Police Academy 2. Definitely one of the seven best Police Academy movies. Two, Robin Givens, ex-wife of Mike's Mike, Mike's, holy, what is going on? Ex-wife know. of Mike Tyson and three, Rain Pryor, daughter of Richard Pryor, and as we all know, acting success is a hundred percent based only on merit. Okay, I got through that bullet point. I think I, I'm going to do better on this one. You ready? I don't
1: remember head of the class. Uh, neither do I.
0: I remember the name. I don't remember the show itself.
1: Yeah, me neither.
0: Um, As for Benjamin Harrison, I can think of at least three semi-interesting, memorable things about him. One, he is one of five presidents to be elected president, despite losing the popular vote. Very cool system we have here. And the only one for whom nobody claims the election was stolen. Insert Dave's rant here. Uh, No, too tired. Um, (laughs) Two, he was the president in the middle of the Grover Cleveland sandwich. This is true. Uh, And three, he is one of three presidents to be a direct descendant of another president, as he was Tippecanoe's grandson. And as we all know, political success is 100 percent based only on merit. Keep up the goodish work. Looking forward to Dave's rant about Georgia's loosening of social distancing rules and count me in for Zoom, Matthew from Mountain View. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Matthew. Have things opened up there? Yeah. I mean, I
0: heard L.A. was Pretty much nobody abiding by rules this weekend either because it was so hot um, from my sources in Los Angeles. But yeah, no, Georgia, they basically loosened up uh, just all the stupid ones. Like they decided that people can go get their hair cut, they can go get their nails done, they can get a tattoo, they can go bowling. All these things that, like, as a as a matter of course, require, like, physical contact with other people in some way. Like, yeah. bowling. Like, think about, like, among the most appetizing ta- activities right now. Bowling has to be so far down the list. Who wants to, like, who wants to manhandle a bowling ball right now? Like, are you sticking your fingers in a bowling ball right now?
1: Uh, no, I have my own bowling ball. So I have
0: my own bowling shoes.
1: I do. I have those too. I was in like a league before, but not like it was more of a drunk league though. It wasn't like we're good league, but
0: I was not in a, you're good league, but I became kind of good.
1: Oh, good. Okay.
0: My, um, you know, commitment, as you know, I'm a, I'm a committed, um, hardworking fellow. And I decided I was going to become good at bowling. And so I, I became okay. You know, I could, I can bowl a 190 ish. Oh, that's good. Yeah.
1: Um, but did like, was there mass hysteria or were people going crazy or did they...
0: In Georgia or when I bowled the 190?
1: No, yeah, well, both. Yes, I would like to know both.
0: When I bowled the 190, there was mass hysteria and people did go crazy. Um, in Georgia, no, not really. I think um, people are still being mostly responsible. Um, like I didn't, I stepped out a little bit just to like do grocery shopping and that sort of thing. Um, and it wasn't too different from the previous week. So... Um, I think people are still being responsible for the most part, mostly ignoring, um, the governor's, uh, very stupid, um, cause it's all right. If you want to reopen certain things at this point, I mean, I, 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 probably disagree. I think it's probably still too early, but if you want to reopen certain things, okay, fine. The things he chose to reopen though, are just about the dumbest possible things you could reopen, like reopen parks or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Reopen outdoor things. Um, if you even want to reopen like the patios of certain restaurants and you know have people sit far away from each other, fine. Don't reopen a friggin' bowling alley or a nail salon. What the hell's the point? And the point, of course, is to kick people off of unemployment and get um, small businesses to get back to paying rents to their landlords.
1: Hmm. Well, yeah. I Those seem like weird ones to open. I kind of do like slowly opening things up um so i think the orange county beaches opened up and then there was probably too many people going around i I mean i think surfers should be able to go surf there's like this um luminescence thing and the waves i forget what they call it but uh people were out there shooting some video at night with the waves crashing they all it all lights up and i'm like wait, how are you getting to the beach if they're closed so i think they might be sneaking on when it's dark uh, but like the beaches, especially like where I live in Manhattan, Hermosa area, like they're huge, you know, like they're never full, even on like holiday weekends. So if you just say, Hey, everyone stay 10 feet apart or something, it just seemed like that would be fine. You know? Um, so, but th- those aren't open, but they did open in orange County. They opened in, uh, Ventura County, I believe. And then also golf courses up. And I actually played golf over the weekend, Dave. Uh, and it's, it's a little different experience. Like you can't. There's no clubhouse um, there. They take away anything you could touch. So there's no rakes. There's no ball washers. You can't touch the pin. They put some foam in the, the hole. So the ball only drops down an inch. So you don't have to reach in and touch anything. And they space out the tee times more. You have to walk. So you can't ride in a cart with anybody. So it's pretty, I mean, as far as activities go, it's pretty socially distant. You're walking basically like I got park by yourself. Um, so those things have happened, but it's really hard to get a tea time because people are driving from L.A. to, like, Orange County or Ventura County because L.A. is still closed, but the other counties are open. Um, so we're starting to see that here, but it's it's broken up more by county than, uh, like, the entire state. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see. But, yeah, hopefully everyone's out there staying safe. But, yeah, people are Jones into it was really nice, too. People want to kind of get, get back to doing some things, and I get it. Yeah. Um, you know.
0: People want to go outside. I think that's the main thing. I think the yeah. and there's, I mean, people need to not be stupid. Like, don't you know, sit around sitting on each other at the park. But I don't know. Limiting people from going outside doesn't seem like it's an ideal public health measure.
1: No. Uh, yeah. I think outside seems, especially when it's warm. I thought the virus gets, you know, it's tougher. Uh, who knows though? But. I did go for a run. Well, I I, I am
0: I am a um, an epidemiologist, so oh, if you have yeah. any questions about the whole thing, I'm happy to answer them.
1: Nice. Uh, I did I didn't run for a few weeks, and I'm like I don't want to run with a mask on. It's gonna be, I just won't be able to breathe well. But I did go for a run and just try to avoid people. They've closed a lot of the places where I used to run, but you can kind of run on alleys and stuff, and I've done oh, that's that. Great. A little that's great. That's a but, good
0: experience. I'm sure that I know like does a lot for you. Just, um, yeah. Have you noticed yourself just becoming, like, way too informed about, like, infectious disease in, like, the last month and a half? Because I don't ever want to know this much about, like, anything. I don't want to, yeah. like, read about just, like, a single topic as much as I've read about this stupid thing.
1: I I did for a while. And the last, like, week or so, I kind of stopped. And yeah,
0: I, I kind of gave it up because I'm like, look, there's a – somehow it got, like, very politicized, like, this whole thing of, you know, just – Stay home so people don't get sick. And somehow that became like a big political issue. And I'm like, I don't know, man. It it seems logical. Like the whole germ theory thing they discovered like 150 years ago, like don't interact with people if, you know, they have a chance to be sick. That's that makes sense to me. Uh, Maybe it doesn't make sense forever. Probably doesn't. Got to figure out something else. But what is that other else that that other thing we're figuring out? Is it just okay? now we're good. Let's go hang out. That doesn't seem like a plan. Yeah. I don't know, man.
1: It's crazy. But you can't stay inside forever. I mean, there the are people no, that No, you can't.
0: The... But, like, what do you do? Like, are you going to – is there a plan? Like, is there is, is there any kind of plan? Like, what are we going to do? Right. Just let whatever X percentage of people die? Like, I don't know. Is it 0.1%? Is it 1%? There's
1: Nobody can really
0: a... give me a definitive answer on that one yet.
1: Yeah, we don't know, but like, yeah. what is, so what is, is the, one
0: in a, like, and all right, so is one in a thousand acceptable? Like, are we cool with that? Like if one in a thousand people die, I mean, I think we've all kind of acknowledged that we are like, I think pretty much everyone is like, yeah, I'm cool with it. If it ends up being 0.1%, but are we not cool with it anymore? If it's one out of a hundred.
1: Right. Well, you have to and look I, at well, the other things we do. Like what are we let people do that they die? You know, like you, yeah, but
0: this is but this is where the personal responsibility thing comes in because yeah, if you don't wear your seatbelt, you die. But if you don't wear your seatbelt, you don't cause another pres- person to not wear their seatbelt, and they die too.
1: But you could know? drunk driving. You know, if you 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 yeah, could cause other people but to like,
0: die. But use the analogy of like uh uh just a if you're using something that's not infectious. Um, if it's infectious, then you've got a there's a public health responsibility, not just yeah. an individual health responsibility.
1: And it's yeah. just like well when. It, What's like, the if, flu? Like, what's the, the regular flu death rate, even though you're not comparing this to the flu? So but for,
0: si- for symptomatic flu, it's 0.1%. But what I was trying to get some clarity on like a week ago is how much asymptomatic flu there is. Because yeah. there's a lot of weird study stuff that I found on that. And nobody really knows because nobody studies the flu that much because the flu isn't that deadly. Um, but everyone keeps saying oh the 0.1% of the flu but the 0.1% that i've found for the flu is for symptomatic flu if we're going only off of symptomatic covid then the 0.1% isn't close to what it is cuz symptomatic covid is more like that number that keeps getting cited which is more like 5% right it's only when you include the asymptomatic that it drops down to like 0.1% so yeah. man i don't know I, like the armchair epidemiology that i that like just individuals ha- This is what the problem is with politicizing every single issue, including scientific issues, is that you force so many individual people to have to, like, develop some rudimentary level of expertise just to understand what the issue is. Yeah. Like, I would love to just be able to sit here and listen to either the president, fine, or a scientist, telling me about this because presumably the president would be listening to the scientist, telling him the thing to say to the people, right? But instead we've got these people saying one thing, these people saying another thing and everyone drawing their battle lines. And it's like, I don't want to, I do not want to become an epidemiologist over the next couple of months. I do not no. want to have to develop graduate level expertise to understand what the hell is happening here. Like just let's not obfuscate the issue, but of course we can't do that. So no, obfuscation continues we all sit here and just form our own opinions based off of our preconceived notions and we continue apace pace
1: into oblivion yep all right we got Hitler day next oh God okay Triginta quaism I think uh, this
0: is these are Latin numbers
1: I think you're like three four thirty34 16 that sounds about right 3 four sixteen was that a you.
0: score of a game?
1: Um, probably I'm assuming okay. it involves Oregon All right. would it be six or six. No, it'd be 16 because of the decimal Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I would be, be six and decim. That'd be 16. I think you're yeah, right. I
0: think we're looking at 34, 16.
1: Okay. Wow. All right. Imagine uh, my delight at so much personal feedback directed to me on last week's episode. I particularly enjoyed Dave's advice on not giving my best effort praise from Caesar. So he, <laughs> he's liking that. Uh, Stanford's <laughs> win total projection for 2020 is the most divisive topic I've encountered among commentators who are thoughtful and passionate about Pac-12 football. So I figured I'd loop you boys in as well. Ooh, little dig. little
0: backhand today. I like it.
1: Oh, that
0: man, was good. I, I love that. Now so, Hiplode's back on his game. This is the kind of shit I want.
1: Okay, there you go. Uh, some look at how well. Uh, They've recruited and how lousy the bottom half of the league looks to be and reason that the Cardinal will regress to their talent level uh, to at least make a bowl. That is, 2019 was an aberration and they'll snap back uh, to at least a median performance. Others, myself included, think that staff has calcified into uselessness and 2019 is the new normal or old normal, depending on how far back your memory of that program goes and that they'll continue to massively underperform their talent until Stanford cleans house and so miss a bowl again. Where do you land?
0: I'm with you, Hithloday. I think uh, this is the new normal. Um, I think Stanford's best days are behind it. And uh, unfortunately, I think the Shaw era is going to be over here pretty shortly.
1: I I, I agree with you, too. Um, the only thing I dislike about Hithloday's is- uh, email is, you know, he could have mixed in a couple more periods, but besides that I'm fine with it. You know, yeah. what okay. was 34? Let's let me hold on. Let me, uh, pull up Stanford's season last year and see which was 34, 16. I'm assuming Oregon. Nope. That was 21. 34. 34 oh, that was uh UCLA.
0: Ah, so he was uh, dumping on. Uh, well, no, because UCLA won that game. Didn't yeah, they? UCLA beat Stanford.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. So that oh was yeah, like and that is that is, the, that is, is the
0: perfect the perfect sign of the end of an era. It is. Yeah. True. Very All nice. Right.
1: Very we, good hit today. Uh, that's impressive. We figured that out, kind sort of. Yeah, sort of. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this is a text message. No name. Um, D W. Just have to quibble with your top three presidents. Given that owning slaves disqualifies someone from the top three, a factor I can't argue with, FDR should be excluded on similar grounds due to putting 120,000 Americans in concentration camps even when the FBI said it was not warranted. That's a good point. As for topics of discussion, maybe a rundown of recommended books. Once a runner is a must for any running enthusiast. Love the podcast. Listening to it while I run alone is like having two buds with me keep calm and podcast on. That's probably a good point on FB, FDR. I think he would still end up making my top three just because the whole long litany of U.S. presidents has been mostly dreadful. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, throwing throwing a bunch of Japanese Americans into concentration camps was a uh, pretty bad thing. Um, and then I also thought more about it. And I think if I'm um, kicking LBJ out, the more I'm thinking about that one, I'm kicking him pretty far out. And instead of LBJ rounded into my top four and maybe with FDR potentially falling out, I'm throwing Ulysses S. Grant in there, Ooh. in that conversation. Because so his his career as a president, I think, has gotten tainted a little bit by some propaganda type stuff that came out after the Civil War, but also um, just this idea of corruption around his presidency. And there certainly was some. He had some, you know, bad actors among his uh, coterie. But as a president, and especially with his impact on Reconstruction, um, that might have been one of the best periods for uh, black Americans in this country, Um, you know, their rights enforced by actual federal troops throughout much of the South. Um, And he was very good on most of those issues um, during that period. So Grant might make it in. Um, so if you're dumping anybody out, I'm, I'm, I'm adding Ulysses S. Grant to the uh, to the mix up there. Uh-huh. Um, as for books, um, that looks good. Uh, my favorite book of all time is Lonesome Dove, um, Larry McMurtry, um, old Western novel. Very good. Recommend it. If you haven't read it before, you should read it. You should spend some time during this coronavirus period reading it. It's great.
1: Have you done much reading during this coronavirus period?
0: Oh, Ryan, I have two small children. So (laughs) I haven't read a book for pleasure in two years, at least. Wow. At least, at at bare minimum. And I was a guy who read all the time. Like I read probably like, so when I was a kid, I'd read like six hours a day. When I was like out of college i would read at least a couple hours a day and then i had kids and that went away that went yeah. so far away now i read about paddington the bear i read about the berenstein bears i read about fancy nancy and all of her adventures um i read about all kinds of stuff nothing i would choose to read about in any kind of sane existence
1: which being a parent is not a sane existence, I assume.
0: No, no, no. You lose you lose every little bit of your sanity. And then I think, I, I would love to hear from older parents, but I think the rest of your life is just spent trying to reclaim what was you, like what, what little bits of your sanity are still like available to like add back into your brain. I, I have to assume that's what the
1: rest of my life is going to be. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not been, I kind of, you know, you have these delusions of grandeur about what you're gonna do. And um, I was doing more cooking and stuff at first. That sort of has backed off. Um, I haven't been reading much. I usually read when I travel. Like I like just I don't like I don't usually watch stuff on a plane. I usually just read on a plane. But obviously, you're not doing that much anymore. Uh, but it's been busier. Like work has just been busier than than normal because you kind of have to make up for things by. You know the lack of sports. We still have to produce content, so it's like taking more work to produce content. We're trying to actually produce more content, so I I would like to start doing some more reading. But i I, look, I like. I'm not like a super runner, but I like to run, so maybe I'll check that book out. Um, it's called uh, Once a Runner. All right, I'll check that out. Thank you. Cool. He, good he stuff. He or she did not leave a uh, a name, but yeah, thank you for the the text. Well, hey, I was a pretty good show.
0: Yeah, that's great.
1: We had lots of uh, data in there, which you don't really like. But, you know, that's fine. I wanted to.
0: That was a good good tight show. It was great.
1: Actually, yeah, like an hour and uh, 12 minutes or something. That's not too bad. Um, Cool. Well, keep sending those uh, whatever you got for us. We'll talk about it. We can get off the president thing probably for a while, but I'm sure we won't. Um, I want to hear more more takes on presidencies. There were some good ones. Hit me with them. Yeah. We, we actually got Dave to drop out one of his top three. So that's pretty cool. I, don't,
0: I, I So I, I'm, I'm still – I still think FDR makes the cut because the rest of the group is so bad. Like if you're looking at the whole spectrum of presidencies, the good probably still outweighing the bad because you, you're talking about a, what, 80-year legacy of uh, some of the biggest things that he did in the New Deal. And that's pretty big. It's pretty great. Um, but you got to weigh that against throwing a bunch of citizens in concentration camps, but then you weigh it against every president ever throwing a bunch of people in prison who probably don't need to be there. Like it's the, we're, we got some problems. There's a lot of things going on. I mean, if you're really ranking them correctly, it's Abe Lincoln and then basically nobody else. Um, so, you know, we, we've got to, we've got to hold our nose somehow and FDR, I'm going to hold my nose, I think a little bit.
1: All right. Um, okay. Well, I guess we'll end that note. Uh, zoom call pack 12, bring your beverages Thursday, April 7th, 6 PM Pacific. I will try to tape it. Uh, we've got a bunch of people's emails. I will post the link, uh, to the people that want to come and, uh, we'll tweet it out and stuff. And, uh, maybe we'll get some zoom crashers. I don't know. I hopefully not, but uh, get all you guys out there. It'd be fun to kind of put the names, to faces, and all of that, to the email addresses, and Hitler didn't mention if he wanted to come on the call. So I don't, know, I'm not sure we're going to get him or not.
0: Oh, I think we will. I think he's playing hard to get.
1: Yeah. Uh, we'll get some Shane action. We'll get some John Abrea. All those guys. A lot of great, great uh, emailers and callers and stuff. So we appreciate all of that. All right. Well, that is David Woods. Uh, I am Ryan Abraham. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of champions. Please, everyone stay safe. Uh, Email us, call us, text us, let us know what you want us to talk about next, because I'm not sure what we're going to talk about next. So thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time.
0: Bye.